is White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. Your host, Connor McKnight. Welcome into White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. Tyler Aki in for Connor McKnight today. And boy, do we have some White Sox news to get to. Andrew Benintendi, the newest member of the Chicago White Sox, a move that I think pretty thrilling for White Sox fans. 312-332-3776 if you've got a thought on it. We're going to talk to Arm Layton from Just Baseball as well. That's coming up at 2.35. He's going to dive into the Benintendi edition as well as some of the prospect stuff and how to build out the rest of this White Sox roster and this White Sox lineup for 2023. It's going to be a, a very fascinating build, I think, for Pedro Grafal. Year number one, he's going to have his work cut out for him, but in a good way, I think, when you look at it. Charlie Bevins and I, he's Charlie's in with us producing today. We were trying to build out this White Sox one through nine, and it's certainly going to be something that Game to game, I think you'll see a lot of shifts, um, but it's going to be a lot of fun to watch how this White Sox team plays out in 2023. 312-332-3776. But let's start with Andrew Benintendi here because he is now the biggest signing in White Sox history. A five-year, $75 million contract that surpasses the contract that was given to Yasmani Grandal a couple years ago at $73 million. And... I just want to know from White Sox fans, do you like the move? Simple question for you there. Do you like the move adding Benintendi for five years? He's a 28-year-old left fielder coming off an all-star season with both the Kansas City Royals, and then he was flipped at the deadline for uh, to the New York Yankees and really was unfortunately injured for much of the, the home stretch for the Yankees, wasn't really able to find his footing in New York. I think a lot of people thought, oh, lefty bat going to New York. Maybe he could revive some of his power. Didn't really get much of that from Grandal, but I think that his first half when he was with the Royals within the division, so the White Sox certainly got plenty of Andrew Benintendi throughout the year. He was phenomenal, and it was a sort of resurgent thing for him. A couple years ago as well, he was a gold glover. I like the move. I really do. You're going to have to continue to to build this team, obviously coming off the disappointing season from a year ago. But I think that what Benintendi can bring to this team, and not just from a, a contact standpoint, but I do think we'll see his power numbers rebound with the White Sox as well. And I think that was probably, if there were any Sox fans that were a little pessimistic of the move, they're thinking, oh, not as much power, right? You're seeing his power decline. You look back to his rookie season when he had 20 home runs with the Red Sox, and then you saw it decline to 16 in, in 2018, 13 in 2019, and then in 2021, or he was injured for uh, most of the pandemic season in 2020, and then in 2021, you saw it bounce back up to 17 for uh, the Royals in his first year in Kansas City. But last year, just five home runs, three of them coming with the Royals in 93 games, and then another two in 33 games in an injury-riddled end to his season with the Yankees. 
And a lot of people thinking those numbers would go up when he moved to uh, a more lefty-friendly park. I mean, we've seen how it's really helped out some lefties. I mean, look at the the power numbers that you see, guys like Anthony Rizzo, Joey Gallo, and even someone like Aaron Judge. He can take advantage of the the right field porch there going the opposite way, as well as uh, Giancarlo Stanton. But I look at the power and I think it's going to come back with the White Sox. And that's probably the biggest X factor. You know, teams build out their lineups to go to coincide with the place you're going to play in 81 games a year. Plus, hopefully, in the case for the White Sox, the playoffs as well. So interesting tweet that I saw yesterday. This one, courtesy of Nick Gar. He is a managing editor over at Sox on 35th. So Andrew Benintendi in 2021 hit 17 home runs for the season. However, if he had played all 162 games at guaranteed rate field, and I know he's not going to play all 162, but let's, for the the sake of the the argument here and for the sake of what we're trying to build out here, if he had played every single game at guaranteed rate field, he would have had 29 home runs for that season. And that, to me, just shows that when you move him into a more hitter-friendly park, Four lefties like guaranteed rate field is. You take a look at some of the park factors and how it adjusts to, to lefty hitters. Guaranteed rate field for, this is according to Baseball Savant, guaranteed rate field is the third friendliest park for lefty home run power. Just think, think about that. For a White Sox team last year that struggled to get a guy to 20 home runs on the season, You've got Andrew Benintendi now who might be able to get you in the neighborhood of 20 to 25 home runs. I think that that's a big difference. And for a team that was not just struggling for power, but struggling for contact as well, Benintendi was a guy who he did a really good job of putting the ball in play last year. And you saw it in his numbers. Before he got traded over to, to the Yankees, he was hitting 320. He had an on-base of 387, an OPS plus of 124. That's very good. So I really like what I saw out of Andrew Benintendi last year. And guess what? He's only 28 years old heading into this season as well. I think that is a huge, huge benefit for this White Sox team because you got to remember, the White Sox, they're building for the present, but also for the future as well. And I think Benintendi is someone who not just helps you in the immediate, but also could help you in the future as well. So what do you think of the move? 312-332-3776. Do you like Andrew Benintendi coming over to the South Side? Ron is on the South Side. He'll check in with us right now on White Sox Weekly. Ron, long time no speak. How you doing? Oh, oh man. I'm, I'm doing great. <laughs> that was, you know, a couple of things. First of all, you uh, identify two of your needs. He's a good uh, outfielder, former gold glove winner. And you change that offense, and you just pointed out he's a contact hitter, left hitter. You slide him number two behind, I don't know, maybe Tim, and you put him in front. He's a high percentage player. So you, in which typically the number two batter is going back in front of your, your, your best hitter. So, uh, just everything. Um, I knew one of the things I had been saying that the White Sox were not going to be able to just uh, do trades to meet their needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, I, I was expressed numerous times that they were going to have to sign a free agent. So um, now they can get a second baseman. They were looking, but yeah, it's it's amazing how just one player just kind of changes uh, the look you, with him in the left. 
Luis Robinson Center. Uh, defense is looking a little bad, but more importantly, I am looking forward to just seeing him uh, batting because, like you said, he's a good contact hitter. The shift is gone, so uh, and he gets on base a lot. So thanks for letting me make those comments. Absolutely, Ron. Appreciate it. If you've got a thought as well, 312-332-3776. Talking all things Andrew Benintendi and White Sox here on White Sox Weekly. I also wonder, and Ron brought up the point about the defense, right? This is a guy who was a gold glover two years ago. And while left field isn't a premium defensive spot, I think you'll, you can see a lot of rotation in, in terms of who are the elite left field defenders. Um but I think it is important for one reason, and I think it kind of plants the flag that Aloy Jimenez is moving to the designated hitter role for probably the majority of the season. And that's one of the big things that was a question with uh, this White Sox team and how to handle uh, Aloy Jimenez for this upcoming season. I think it's going to be a move that ultimately benefits everybody. Aloy can kind of focus on the the hitting aspect of the game. Listen, he's going to get his spots out in left field. You'd imagine there may be a doubleheader or something, or Benintendi's going to need a, a game off here or there or something like that of that nature. Or maybe you... Benintendi's a guy who you can throw in center if you need to for if Robert's getting a day off as well. I think that this gives the White Sox flexibility while also being able to kind of plant their flag in what they should be doing. And I think it's going to help Aloy. It's going to help him out of that cleanup spot. We're going to build up the White Sox lineup one through nine as well as building it around the diamond as well coming up in just a little bit. Um, but Benintendi's a guy who I'm really excited for. I think the Pedro Grafal connection too. That's certainly a big reason why he's a member of this White Sox team. Grafal, obviously a part of that Royals staff from a season ago. Probably a big reason why we've seen Benintendi rebound a little bit after a couple of uh, lackluster seasons in Boston to close out his career with the Red Sox, but he bounced back with a solid 2021 and then the All-Star season in 2022. All around, I think, good stuff for Andrew Benintendi here. And I'm excited to see what he can bring to this White Sox lineup heading into this upcoming season. Ron also mentioned the shift, too. And with a guy like Benintendi, last season only struck out 77 times. The the contact is there with him. And I, I think that's something that with this White Sox lineup, you're going to start to see a little more contact at the top when you figure, all right, Tim Anderson, hopefully back and fully healthy for next season. Then you got Ben Intendi in the lineup as well. And then it kind of complements the big boppers in your lineup. You've got a number of power bats. I know people think about, okay, you're retooling your roster, but there's still a lot of consistency from a season ago to now. And I think there's some important consistency when you look at some of the power in your lineup. If Ben Intendi can be aboard, if TA can be aboard, you're going to drive in some more runs with the back end of your lineup. And when I started the preliminary uh, practice here of looking to see, okay, what is, what, who's going to be in the seven, eight and nine spots? I was like, wow, there's a lot of power down there too. So um, it's certainly a deep lineup, and I think Ben Intendi adds to the depth that this White Sox team is going to have moving forward here in 2023. I'm excited for the signing. I really think this is a great move. What do you think, White Sox fans? 312-332-3776. We'll check in with Arm Layton from Just Baseball. See what his thoughts are on Ben Intendi at 235. Also, get a look at how the White Sox can fill out the rest of their roster too. I think that there's still work to do for Rick Hahn. This is obviously a great step in the right direction, but there's still some more that I think needs to be done with this team 
heading into uh, the t- before they get to spring training. Inside of 70 days now before spring training, as I look at on Baseball Savannah and as I look at the snow outside on State Street right now. We will take all of your Benintendi calls and also get into building out this White Sox lineup. That's all coming up next. This is White Sox Weekly. We are talking White Sox. This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss the show, we put the podcast up on the ESPN Chicago app. So listen on your time. White White Sox Sox Weekly. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2. You can also watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. They have weighed in on the Benintendi signing for the White Sox. Seems like everyone's a fan so far, and I think for good reason. I think this is a signing that kind of kills a couple birds here with just one stone. You get a lefty bat, you get a good glove in the outfield, you get some contact in your lineup. There's a lot of dimensions that I think Andrew Benintendi brings to this White Sox lineup. 312-332-3776. Do you like the Benintendi signing? 312-332-3776. Want to hear from all the White Sox fans out there on what they think for the the offseason and what this move brings for the White Sox moving forward into 2023. All right, so I've got Charlie Bevins with me here today. He is producing White Sox Weekly. Tyler Aki in for Connor McKnight today. So Charlie and I were kind of before the show talking things out, hashing out what this White Sox lineup looks like in 2023 because for as much change as there is going to be, there's still a lot that is going to be similar with this White Sox team heading into the season. So let's, Charlie, quickly go around the diamond here. I'm trying to build out this White Sox lineup, all right? And I think let's just go under the assumption of this is what we're going to look at on opening day for this White Sox team. So I think no debate about it. Behind the plate, you're going to see Yasmani Grandal at first base. It'll be Andrew Vaughn. Second base is where things get a little interesting. That second baseman may not be on this roster right now. You don't know what kind of signings may happen, what kind of trades may happen. But for what we know right now and for what we've kind of seen inklings of, it looks like it may be Romy Gonzalez to start the year at second base for the White Sox. What do you think of that, Charlie? Yeah. Do you think it'll be Romy or do you, is there another name out there? I also thought maybe... uh we saw a little Lenin Sosa last year as well at second base, but I would guess Romy, especially since he ended the year with the team, I would guess he's going to be at second. And I think the biggest thing you want if you're the White Sox is to not have to kind of cobble together second base, which is what they were, they were kind of forced to do last mm-hmm. year. I think if you roll in there with Romy Gonzalez, you have at least a consistent answer for your for your for your second base position because that was always that was something that would come up a lot last year is there was just sort of a um, uh, you know, not the most consistent presence there at right. second. Yeah, you saw a little Aori Garcia. You saw some Josh Harrison. I would say Harrison was probably the bulk of that work at second, but he also moved around the infield as well, a little third base too because of some injuries and all that stuff. All right, let's continue moving around here. Shortstop Tim Anderson. Uh, 
third baseman Yoan Moncada, then left to right across the outfield, Andrew Benintendi, Luis Robert in center. Right field's another interesting spot because I think if you pulled White Sox fans who they want in right field, I think you'd get a lot of Oscar Colas. But I think in reality, I would guess on opening day it would be Gavin Sheets. What do you think of that, Charlie? Yeah, and Sheets was at times their best hitter last year. Yeah, I mean when he when he was Provided hot, some when, power. when he was hot, when he was right. I mean he did it when they needed it from him. So I don't think I don't think rolling into you know if they look at it in spring training and say let's give Colas a little bit more time before we call him up and make him our everyday right fielder. If they want to just kind of slow play it with him, I don't think Sheets is necessarily a bad a bad person to stick and right. To, to kick things off to start the season. Yeah, he played in just 124 games last year, but was third on the team in home runs with 15. Um, only Andrew Vaughn and Aloy Jimenez had more. I think, and the other thing too about Gavin Sheets, while he's not a, a gold glover out in right field, I think we saw progress with him in right field. Now, again, I think you'll see more consistency and a better glove with Colas out there. And I think if we're talking about a playoff roster with this White Sox team, I would guess it features Oscar Colas or maybe someone else out in right field. But for opening day, I would say it, it would be Gavin Sheets and then your designated hitter would be Aloy Jimenez. So what do you think of that, White Sox fans? 312-332-3776. What does this lineup look like heading into next year? Let's go through the one through nine here in the batting order, too. All right. I think there's no questions asked at the leadoff spot. You're going to be rolling with Tim Anderson when he's back and healthy. The two-hitter, though, is interesting. And I would say that with if there were some sort of internal candidate that came and managed the White Sox for this season, or if there was if they ran it back with Tony La Russa or even Miguel Cairo for this season, I would guess you would see Yoan Moncada hitting second. But with Pedro Grifol, a guy who managed Andrew Benintendi a year ago, or uh, was in the same locker room on the same coaching staff with Andrew Benintendi a year ago, I'm guessing we're going to see Andrew Benintendi in that two spot. And I think that's the rightful spot for him. He's had uh, most of his at-bats over his career in that spot. I, I just think that it's more comfortable for him, whereas we've seen Yoan kind of fluctuate up and down the lineup for a little bit. But I'd imagine that... Johan Moncada will slide in the lineup a little bit, and Andrew Benintendi is your two-hitter. And I think that it should be your two-hitter as well. Yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable how how much Benintendi just changes the complexion of this lineup. Like, just sticking in mm-hmm. a lefty bat that they've needed forever, and you have a pretty solidified number two hitter, it really changes the outlook of this lineup, I would say. Yeah, so I, I like Benintendi in that two-hole. Then you got Luis Robert hitting third. Aloy Jimenez in the cleanup spot, Andrew Vaughn fifth. And this is where I kind of got a little stumped when you get into the six, seven, eight point in the lineup. I think on days when you see Grandal catch, I think you'll see him in the sixth spot just because he's that switch hitting bat, especially if there's a righty on the mound. You can play the, the matchups a little bit better there. So when Grandal's in the lineup, I think you see him sixth. When he's not in the lineup, I'd imagine you'd see uh, Yoan Moncada in the, the sixth spot there. Um, but then you got you got some lefties here to work with down in the, the bottom of the lineup with Moncada being a switch hitter, Grandal being a switch hitter, Sheets being a lefty. I think you've got some stuff to work with there at the bottom of the lineup. But um, I'll go Grandal sixth when he's hitting if he's or when he's in the lineup. If he's not in the lineup, I think we'll see Moncada sixth 
maybe even a little splash of Gavin Sheets as well. And then whoever's not there between Moncada and Grandal in the sixth, seventh spot, you'll see them, I think, flip around a little bit. And then whoever ends up being the backup catcher on this roster, you'll see them slotted down towards the eight, nine spot there. But when you're building out the kind of the one through seven, because the eight and nine, they kind of fluctuate game to game. Um, you never know who's going to be in for defensive reasons or whatever. I think that's uh, that's a it's a really solid one through seven that you're building out there. But what do you think of that with the White Sox? Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Do you like Benintendi in the two spot? Would you rather see Yohan Moncada in the two spot and try to rebound from earlier uh, from after struggling a little bit last season? Brandon is in Palatine. Brandon, you're on White Sox Weekly. Hey, what's going on, guys? I was just wondering about getting uh, Jake Berger in the lineup. Why can't we stick him at third and uh, put Moncada at second base? Yeah, Brandon, uh, here's the one thing I would say. I know a lot of Sox fans may have some frustrations with what Moncada did with his bat last year, but Yoan Moncada won them games defensively at third base. He is by far and away a a much better defensive third baseman than Jake Berger is. You saw Berger really rack up some errors last year. I, I don't think moving Yoan Moncada to second is the answer there. I think you'll see Jake Berger plenty, and Jake did a nice job when he was called upon, especially in times when Moncada was injured or wasn't in the lineup. I, I liked what I saw from Jake Berger, but the glove just wasn't there quite yet with Berger. Right. I think that with Moncada, it was significantly better. I I remember a couple of those low-scoring games. I mean, think about some of the Johnny Cueto starts, too, where Yohan Moncada was a huge difference maker over there at third, and I think it actually made up for the lack of what we saw offensively from Moncada. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, man. I didn't really think of it like that. Appreciate the call, Brandon. Thanks a lot. Have a good day. 312-332-3776. And a go Sox from Brandon there as well. So we've kind of built out the lineup here. I think that when you look at who the second baseman could be, I know the the thing might be, all right, let's go out and, and try to to find a guy, whether it be in free agency, whether it be in a trade, but I think that the pieces that you would trade to try to get a second baseman, I don't think it would be worth parting with necessarily. And that is something that maybe White Sox fans don't want to hear. Listen, you may have to roll with Romy Gonzalez to, to start the season. And, and Romy had some of his moments. He started off pretty nicely. You saw he had the trust of the, the managers last year. Um, is in some of the, the places where he batted in the order last year. I think that with Romy Gonzalez, again, he's another young piece, part of the, the prospects. Lenin Sosa, another young piece, part of the prospect group for this White Sox team. We don't, I think second base right now is probably the biggest question mark that you're asking right now in this White Sox lineup. But I think, listen, you're not going to have a gold glover or an all-star at all nine positions on the roster. Someone's got to hit eighth. Someone's got to not be the, the greatest defensive player on your team. And listen, I think you could get some solid defense from the second base position, although Romy did have some struggles with airs last year. It's something that he's a young player. He was kind of moving around a little bit, too, between second and short. And again, he's a natural shortstop, too. That was his position at Miami. That was the position he played at a lot of the college leagues as well. And I, I like the prospect of moving shortstops to second base, too. I think you can get away with that, or not even get away with that. I think it's just these guys are such good defenders. If you can play shortstop, you can play second base. I mean, you look at a team like what, what Texas did 
last offseason, right? When they brought in Corey Seager and also brought in Marcus Simeon and both natural shortstops, but you're able to move Simeon to second base just because you want both the bats in the lineup there. I think that from a defensive standpoint, you're not losing a whole heck of a lot if you're taking a chance on Romy Gonzalez at second base. But hey, we don't know exactly who that second baseman is going to be when we do get to opening day, which when you look at the weather in Chicago, you cannot wait for opening day, as long as it's a little bit warmer than it is right now, which who knows, maybe there will be snow on opening day. You never know in this great city of Chicago. 312-332-3776. We will take all of your calls coming up. And also we're going to talk with Arm Layton as well from Just Baseball. He will break down his thoughts on the Andrew Benintendi signing by the White Sox, the largest signing in White Sox history, the largest contract they've handed out, $75 million over five years for Andrew Benintendi. And also, he'll answer the second base question. Who's going to be there? Who's going to be in right field? And he has some great, great intel on the White Sox prospects as well. We'll ask him about Oscar Colas, Colson Montgomery, and more coming up next. It's White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. The ESPN Chicago app in HD, 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM, ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. on ESPN 1000. Tyler Aki in for Connor McKnight here on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2. You can also watch us on Twitch or if you're on the go, grab that ESPN Chicago app. Take us with you wherever you are. Let's go out and check in with Aram Layton, one of the founders of Just Baseball, also a host for the Call Up podcast, as well as the Just Baseball show. Does fantastic work on both of those pods. Aram joins us now on White Sox Weekly. Aram, how you doing today? Good, good, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, really appreciate it. Excited to talk about the White Sox and good timing with the uh, Ben Attendee deal. Coming. I know. Yeah. So we, I reached out to you earlier in the week and I was like, all right, let's, we'll, we'll talk a little bit of White Sox prospects. Who are some of the guys that we can see come up? But all of a sudden, the Sox throw us a gift and give us a free agent to talk about as well. The biggest signing in White Sox history when you look at the dollars and cents. Five years for $75 million. But what did you think of the Benintendi signing when you first saw the news come across? I, I love it because, you know, I was coming in here prepared for maybe answering the question of, you know, can Oscar Colas make the leap and fill in next year? And, and I'm sure we'll talk about him a little bit as, you know, one of the best prospects in the system. But that's a tough question. And for a team that really wants to compete next year, you know, I, I don't think you can be putting that much trust and in, in responsibility into some guys that, you know, barely played above the double-A level. So, you, know, you look at what the White Sox needed. I, I think Ben Attendee's exactly that. People get caught up with the years and the money, but when you look at you know what what's been going on across the game uh, with, right. when we see the deals coming in, I mean, uh, for the annual value of Andrew Ben Attendee, and I think he gives the White Sox just about everything they were missing. Right, consistent bat to ball, some steady defense in the corner, and just a guy that you can count on that you know has been pretty consistently on the field over the last couple of years. So. You know, I, I like the pickup a lot. I, I think he's going to age just fine in this deal. I know people are like, oh, five years, but 
Benetendi, I think, is going to be the exact kind of player at age 33 as he is now. Um, so I think it's a really good pickup for them and, and, and much needed. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things people see the five years and they're overreacting to five years. Meanwhile, you're seeing uh, all these shortstops getting double digit years. Trey Turner and Carlos Correa. And, and we'll, I'm sure we'll see it with Dansby Swanson in the neighborhood of eight to 10 years when his contract eventually comes across the wire. But Xander Bogarts, too. But yeah, with the five years, I mean, I, I think that people kind of forget he's 28. Like, yeah. He's entering the prime of his career here. Absolutely. And I mean, you look at a Brandon Nimmo, right? Who's obviously a little bit, you know, higher level of a player, but you're going to be having to pay that guy into his late, you know, later thirties. And uh, with, with what we saw from Ben Attendee last year, right? I mean, this was the second best season of his career since he was 23 years old and had that magical season in 2018 mm-hmm. in Boston where, you know, there was just magic in Boston all around that season. But I think we saw what we saw from Ben Attendee, I think is what you can kind of count on consistently moving forward, which is, going to hit for a good average. He's going to play a pretty good defense. He's going to get on base at a pretty high clip. Sure, there's a little bit to be desired in the power department, but I don't think the White Sox really need that. They needed that consistency at the top of the order, and he can give you that. So I'm excited to see how he fits in here. And again, I think it also lessens the, you know, you can be a little bit more patient with an Oscar Colas now. Let him start the year in AAA and work his way up there and, you know, have a veteran, you know, in there in the mix at the big league level now. Arm Layton from Just Baseball, our guest here on White Sox Weekly. So, yeah, you brought up the power there, and obviously a, a huge drop-off last year with just five home runs for Ben Benintendi, and I think for any Sox fans that may be opposed to the move, that's the, the where the finger points first, but I think in a park like Guaranteed Rate Field as well, you'll see that especially with lefties, you'll see those numbers start to rise a little bit. I, I'm not as concerned. I think you'll see I'm not saying he's going to go out and hit 30 home runs, not even maybe 25, but I think you'll see it get back in the neighborhood of like 18 to 20, right? Like, what's a reasonable power expectation for Ben Benintendi next season? You know, I, I do think he can get to the 10, 15 range. I, I do believe that the reason why we saw that power dip off a little bit was, was a concerted effort to just spray the ball, go gap to gap, and you know lean into his strengths, which is controlling the barrel, working the count. He's one of the better hitters in the league when it comes to not expanding the zone and, you know, not trying to do too much. And, and that's exactly what he did well last year. And I look at a White Sox team that you know, if everybody's healthy, like we're waiting for Luis Robert to really you know take that next step in, in the power department, of course, staying on the field. But I think Andrew Vaughn is a guy that can, you know, unlock a little bit more in the power department, especially getting him out of the outfield is, a, is another really big development here, I think, just being able to you know, get him in a spot where he's more comfortable, maybe first base DH. And I think there's several guys throughout this lineup that either being more available or tapping into more power will, will kind of fulfill that. So I'm, I'm more excited for Ben Attendee to, to be that table setter for them, be that consistent bat that can hit you in the high 200s, low 300s, and get on base at a good clip and not strike out. I mean, you don't right. find guys in the game today that strike out less than 15% of the time or hover around that range. And that was something that Ben Attendee really leaned into last year. And, and I think it was really what made him the most valuable he has been since that 2018 campaign. So, Arm, do you see him hitting anywhere but second in this White Sox lineup? I, I, it's where I would love to see him. You know, I, there's protection in a different way, right, where it's just getting on base and, you know, forcing them to have to pitch to your best guys. I, I think that's the perfect spot for him, and, and I would love to see him there. Awesome. That, that's kind of where I'm thinking right now, too, because like I know a lot of White Sox fans have seen Yohan Moncada in that spot, a little mm-hmm. Luis Robert there, too. But And I think, too, Pedro Grafal coming over from the Royals to manage this team, 
I think you'll see Benintendi in that two spot. I think that connection there all but solidifies that. A hundred percent. And you mentioned, you know, Mancada and Robert, two guys that are, that are really aggressive hitters. And uh, that's not typically what you want. And, and I know that the leadoff role has kind of evolved a little bit over the last few years. And uh, baseball is, is, is adjusted in that department a bit. But with my one and two guys, I, I definitely don't want to see them seeing more pitches, working the count. And that's exactly what Ben Attendee does so well. Uh, and I think the, the term professional hitter, tends to be overused, but you know, Ben Attendi <laughs> is is the version of that that I think is is very applicable. Arm Layton's with us here on White Sox Weekly. You can find him on Twitter at Arm Layton Eight, host of the Call Up Pod and the Just Baseball Show as a part of Just Baseball. So Another thing, too, with Ben Benintendi, I think a lot of people, and this is probably the way that a lot of fans are thinking, too, but with rule changes that are coming next year, the banning of the shift, how does someone like Ben Benintendi's game translate now that there is modifications to the rules for next season? Yeah, you know, I don't know how much it impacts him versus, you know, some of the other guys in the game, because... I thought one of the things that really clicked for Benatendi last year was was using the whole field. I think we saw the lowest pull rate of, of his career last season at about 30%. Um, so I, I think for him, that, that was something that he, he really leaned into and, and found more comfort with in just spraying the ball over the field, hitting the ball where it's pitched. So I don't know if I see as much of a change for him in that department, but I think some of the other hitters uh, throughout the game could see a big difference. I am very interested to see how much the, the shift will be limited. I know there's going to be you know, some parameters that they have to abide by, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think we'll have to wait and find out. But I think with Ben Attendee, it's a little bit different. He, he shouldn't see too much of a difference there. Well, let's look at the rest of this White Sox roster, too. I, when you look at it on paper, I think there's two glaring what-ifs on this team. Let's start in right field, because you've brought up Oscar Colas before, uh, during this conversation here. I think that's the name that White Sox fans want, but I think more realistically we'll see Gavin Sheets in right field on opening day. But like, what, what is the outlook for an Oscar Colas, and do you think he could be the opening day right fielder? Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't rule it out. We, we've seen Major League Baseball across, especially when we look at the Braves, right, and what they did with Michael Harris and uh, Vaughn Grissom and, you know, even some other prospects across the game that have shown really well in double, getting the quick yank up to the big leagues. Brett Beatty with the Mets did something similar. Quick cameo and triple, and then he was up at the big league level before getting hurt. You know, I think you should see what you've got with Gavin Sheets for a month or two, see how he does, and, and let Oscar Colas get a bit more acclimated at the AAA level. But what I will say, I mean, Colas has done everything he can to prove that you know he deserves at least a look. Uh, when it comes to spring training. And if he looks really good, I mean, I could see them making the move and being aggressive because this guy punished fastballs as well as anybody in the minor leagues. He hits velo as well as anybody in the minor leagues. And he hits lefties really well, over a 1,000 OPS left on left last season. So there's a lot of things that, you know, point towards him maybe translating pretty well uh, to the big league level. Uh, my only question is, you know, is he going to still be extremely aggressive? Will that start to get uh, exposed a little bit more? Pretty high chase rates through the minor leagues, low walk rate. I'd like to see him in AAA just get get adjusted to a little bit more advanced pitching, guys that have been in the big leagues for a little bit. And, uh, you know, get, get 100, 150 plate appearances under his belt since you do have a Gavin Sheets there, and then go from there. But I think he should be up early in the season and could be that guy that lights, lights a fire under that offense if they do stall out a little bit at the start. 
Arm Layton with us here on uh, White Sox Weekly. You can find his work, Just Baseball, and the call-up pod as well as the Just Baseball show. So, Arm, the other what-if I see on this roster right now is second base. There's some rumors that maybe it'll be Romy Gonzalez that ends up starting there to begin the season, or could you, or would you rather see someone like Lenin Sosa, or is there someone else that's maybe still available in the free agent market that you think would fit in nicely at that second base spot? Yeah, you know, it's funny because we see Gene Segura still out there, and, and that's a guy that, man, he is consistent. He's a great clubhouse dude. Uh, you look at his numbers just every single year. He seems like he's just consistently an above-average bat. And I think that would be a perfect complement to the rest of this lineup. But, you know, if, if that's not a route they want to go, they do have a lot of internal options. And I think Sosa was a guy that, given the circumstances of last year, had to be rushed to the big leagues, and, and obviously he wasn't quite ready. And probably in a similar boat to Colas could use another 150, 150 plate appearances uh, in AAA. Uh, a lot of prospects could. But I think Sosa could hold it down there. He's going to be a great glove at second base. He hits the ball pretty darn hard. I think it's an underrated aspect of his game as well. His back-to-ball skills are pretty impressive. I, I think Sosa could make that, that jump. And I thought he showed pretty well in AAA once he got sent back down and got his feet back under him again. Uh, and, and I think he's an extremely talented player that maybe left a bad taste in some White Sox fans not because of you know how quick he was forced up there. But this guy is a, a top 100 level talent or just very close to it when it comes to the prospect world. And uh, I think he could be a great backup plan if they don't sign Gene Tagura. Now, Arm, one of your bread and butter here is is the prospects, right? You're great at breaking it down. You've got a whole podcast about it. I want to know because a lot of White Sox fans. They saw this rise. I mean, you look at all the guys that are on the roster right now, whether it's Robert, whether it's Vaughn, Yohan Moncada. It's like all these guys are now in the big league level and the farm system kind of depleted. And I think it's got a lot of White Sox fans wondering, what is the state of this White Mm -hmm. Sox farm system right now? Yeah, you know, it's funny because it's obviously, you know, not what it once was. And that's what happens when a lot of your talent matriculate to the big league level. But I will say that I think the system's better than it gets credit for, right? Um, I thought it was a little bit weird what, what they did with uh, Project Birmingham, which was to put all of your prospects in the same team in AA. And uh, I think that was a Chris Getz move there. But so you, so you saw somebody like Colson Montgomery, who you know, was lighting the world on fire in high A, gets the yank up to AA. He's basically still 19 years old and really struggled. And I think that kind of took away some of the prospect steam there. And uh, he would have been you know getting a little bit more hype. But I still think a lot of people are starting to catch on to how good Colson Montgomery is. and He's that kind of blue chip crown jewel of the system that I think is a consensus top 30, top 40 prospect, at least in my eyes. And then uh, you look at Oscar Colas and, and what he offers. I mean, that's another top 100 caliber talent. And then again, I think Sosa doesn't get enough credit, but then Brian Ramos as well, third baseman, uh, second baseman as well. That is another under the radar type of guy. So I think they've got some of those, tweeners that are you know good top 10 prospects in their system but not quite top 100 guys that fly under the radar a little bit that could turn into really good regulars and i think ramos is a great example of that then they've got a couple you know guys that if it all clicks for them could be really exciting like a yoloki cespedes so i think that ship is starting to sail a little bit to some degree uh, i do like what they did in the draft too going with a noah schultz who could turn into you know a frontline starter they went upside there with the local kid i thought peyton Follett was a great pick as well so the pitching side, I'm a little bit more concerned, but I'm very happy that they addressed that you know, with this most recent draft. Arm, appreciate the time. Awesome stuff. And we'll be sure to check out your work at Just Baseball. Thank you so much for having me.
That's Arm Layton, just baseball. You can find him on Twitter at Arm Layton Eight. He's got awesome stuff with prospects. You, you heard all the stuff there, breaking down the White Sox system, and he's a little more optimistic than I think some White Sox fans are. So good stuff there from Arm. When we come back, I do want to go around. What else is brewing on that hot stove? Because I don't know. Like, is something something was smelling good this week in the in the hot stove in the kitchen of, of MLB this week with all the free agency stuff. So we will break down some of the other things that we saw in the free agency world next on White Sox Weekly. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN One Thousand. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN One Thousand. Wrapping things up here on White Sox Weekly. Just had a great conversation with Aram Layton from Just Baseball. If you missed it, be sure to check out the White Sox Weekly podcast on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcast. Busy, busy week on the hot stove. By the way, Tyler Rocky in for Connor McKnight here on White Sox Weekly. Busy week on the hot stove uh, for MLB. When you look at some of the moves that were made, a couple of nine-figure contracts handed out. Obviously, the White Sox making a splash yesterday with the five-year, $75 million deal to Andrew Benintendi. But some of the other big moves, let's start with Carlos Rodon, an old friend of the White Sox, goes for six years, $162 million to the New York Yankees. He's changing back over from the NL to the AL after spending last season on a prove-it deal with the San Francisco Giants, but he comes back to the AL and gets himself, I mean, he bet on himself and boy, did it pay off. Another Boris client racking up nine figures there. That was a big move. The other big move from the week, the San Francisco Giants, they don't have Carlos Correa anymore, or they don't have Carlos Rodon anymore. Instead, they get a different Carlos and Carlos Correa. $350 million over 13 years, full no trade clause, no opt outs in that deal as well. Going to give him an average annual value of $27 million. Love that move for the Giants. I think that Carlos Correa. You look at kind of the the crown jewels of the of this free agent class. I think Aaron Judge was one, number one, two, and three. And then if you get to number four, I think you find Carlos Correa. I love this move for the Giants. I think that it certainly bolsters them in a AL West that is really an arms race right now. When you look at the Dodgers, haven't done a whole lot of adding this off season. We've seen what the uh, the um, the Padres have done, going out and being aggressive by bringing in Xander Bogarts, and now the Giants are anteing up and going out and getting a Carlos Correa, and then a couple other big moves. The Blue Jays adding Chris Bassett to bolster their rotation. And how about the Braves picking up Sean Murphy in a three-team trade? So certainly some activity brewing after a bit of a slow start to the hot stove. Things are certainly heating up. Thank you to Charlie Bevins for producing today. Thank you to Arm Layton for hopping on as well. Again, if you missed anything, check out the White Sox Weekly Podcast on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week. Everyone have a great weekend, and thanks for listening to White Sox Weekly.